Okay. Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to check in with Derek Taylor to talk about the Kenny Lawler news of the day. It's like a homecoming for Lawler. He's coming back to be in blue and gold for 2023. And then we're going to hear from Nolan Baumgartner, former Manitoba Moose captain, now assistant coach on the team, talking to our Kelly Moore about his recent induction into the AHL Hall of Fame. That's coming up on the podcast. The big news of the day for Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans, it looks like Kenny Lawler is coming back to Winnipeg. We have confirmed with the source that the team has reached an agreement in principle with Lawler. Lawler posted on his Instagram accounts that, well, he basically posted a long goodbye to Edmonton on his Instagram account. So that would be a good indication that he is going to come here and the team can make it official when free agency opens on February 14th as we welcome in the voice of the Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor. Derek, how does this move impact the Blue Bombers' free agent plans over the next couple weeks? I would suspect that some guys that they may have wanted to return now can't return because Lawler, we haven't seen terms, but he's going to command a pretty penny. Uh, so some guys who you may have wanted to see back won't be back, and I wonder if it affects their ability to add some depth at spots like defensive tackle, uh, American defensive tackle specifically, and maybe something more veteran in the defensive backfield. But for for a receiver like Kenny Lawler and the two seasons he he's had, including that, this past year in Edmonton, in a game where offense wins championships, a hundred percent worth it. It would it would seem. That's one thing the CFL doesn't do that other leagues do, and that's make salary caps known. The number, I'm sure, will get reported out when he does sign officially next week because the big numbers do get out, but the, the littler ones don't. So I guess this is a bit of a sidetrack before we get back to Lawler, but does it do fans a disservice? Does it do the league a disservice? That Fans have no idea what the Bombers have to work with money-wise compared to in the NHL. We know go to cap friendly. You know exactly what they have. Yeah, I, I think it does. And I, I understand there's logic as to why teams would want to keep things like that quiet. And I totally get it. But I find it fascinating. I find it absolutely fascinating to know this team paid that guy that much. Like uh, Kenny Lawler free agency last year, it was $250,000 with, with, I think it was 50 grand guaranteed from the BC Lions, or it was going to be 305 with nothing guaranteed till he gets to camp with the Edmonton Elks. And that was sparking debates. I was debating with my friends. Which would I do? Well, this is going to be Edmonton and this is going to be BC. I think it adds so much to it. And honestly, uh, the gang at Three Down Nation, Justin Duncan, John Hodge and company, they're, they're great at getting these numbers and putting them out there. And they lead to conversation where you go, Really? Stanley Bryant only gets paid that much? Really? He's amazing. Oh wow. Okay, what a bargain for the Bombers. I I think it's I think it would add a ton to it. And I hope uh I mean 3 down would be the folks to do it, but aggregating this stuff in a way that we could use it uh just to to better inform our conversations. Because I think that's something when you look around other leagues that there's not a, like there's not a great statistical database for the CFL, nor is is that available. So there are there are things that can be done to, I think, enhance the engagement for fans with the CFL, don't you think? I, I was up till 5 a.m. working on my database of <laughs> the right. CFL. You have your so. own. Sh- share it with us. We'll start a Patreon. 
Yeah. Well, I need to. I need to. Uh, I need to get something like that up to up in public, but you have to have it all clean and stuff. I I love that kind of stuff, and yeah, it's the CFL is is in my mind underserved in, in that respect. So, uh, folks, folks have tried. It just it takes so much work, and then inside knowledge of. Uh, I mean, last year when it was reported that the Bombers were trying to acquire Kenny Lawler toward the trade deadline in the CFL, it would have been neat to know, oh, how much cap room do they have? How are they going to play with this? Uh, well, we'd have to consider his contract and what's been paid out, whereas uh, what's what's in the NHL? Cap friendlies in the yeah. NHL? Uh, is there a, is there a sec? Anyway, there's multiple ones in, in other sports like spot track mm-hmm. and over the cap in the NFL where they break it down and go, Hey, if you want to cut this guy after June 1st of 2024, it'll only be a $6 million hit to your cap. And you start to go, okay, well, they're going to cut that guy for sure. Right. And you, it's, it's just another layer for fans and some, you know, uh, for some level of fans, they don't care. But for, for some, I suspect like you and I, Christian, we, yeah. we would talk for, for hours about stuff like that. I think it, it, it just, just enhances the engagement and dialogue. But anyway, to Lawler again, he had an obvious chemistry with Zach Kolaris back in 2021. 64 catches for 1,014 yards and six touchdowns. It was the key free agent signing for Edmonton last year. And then he he got hurt. They didn't really have a quarterback. 93 targets, 58 receptions. That's a big gap between receptions and attempts. That's not because he dropped a bunch of balls. That's because Taylor Cornelius and others were throwing it all over the place. And so yeah, I, I don't think we can really look at last year's stats. To, he still had 894 yards in 12 games. Yeah. Is he still is he the number 1 game breaker for this team now? Absolutely. 100%, 100%. And and what you said right there, there's a, there's a stat called catch rate that some people will put out and it's basically uh your number of targets divided into your number of receptions, but it ignores so many factors like if your quarterback is bad at throwing the football accurately to you, your catch rate is going to be very low, which makes perfect sense. Bad ball, tougher to catch because guys are trying to keep you from catching it. There were 40 guys last year that had 50 or more targets in the Canadian Football League, playoffs included. Lawler uh, had the 37th most accurate passes thrown to him. He was Cornelius was so rough to play with, which may have worked in the Bombers' favor uh, this time around. But when, when you saw him play... The game against Montreal where he drew over 100 yards in pass interference calls because Wesley Sutton had no idea what Lawler was doing. Uh, the games against the Bombers where he runs like he's angry at the air around him. Like Lawler was a stu- – and he makes ridiculous catches. He's got a great frame and great reach, and he is going to be the perfect guy to be in the slot to the wide side of the field uh, for the Bombers this season. I, I have zero – I have zero concerns uh, about this signing, both in the fact that he missed some games last year because he, he hurt himself trying to win football games for a terrible team, which to me is a great sign. Zero concerns about this because even on a bad team, Lawler was absolutely... I left that season thinking, this guy's absolutely a beast. So this would mean then that Greg Ellingson and Rashid Bailey will not be back next year? or this I say next year. It is this year. It's in a few months. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think it certainly says that Greg Ellingson won't be back from a from a money perspective. I wonder if it means that Rashid Bailey won't be back as well. I think fans who remember the Calgary game where Carlton Agadosi caught two touchdowns, and we were in the post game show talking about mm, if he keeps this up, he's taking somebody's job. 
I, I think on a minimum salary, you, you can say Carlton Agadosi is going to get going to get the job as that wide receiver spot. So Agadosi shown if he doesn't go to the NFL, Dembski, Lawler, Wolitarski. That's I don't know another team that's going to put out better than that this year. And Oliveira. Oliveira out of the backfield. But I mean, strictly from a five-receiver set, I don't know anybody who's going to put out better. And then you're going to get into you know minimum salary guys and then how much can Janarian Grant add on offense as well. And uh, what about Greg McRae, who made who made that catch over Brad Muhammad in the game in, in against Calgary in Winnipeg? And you went, oh, my gosh, this guy's a weapon too, right? So, uh, But you, you have three elite talents, two of them, I would have absolutely backed up the money truck for and Dembski and Lawler and just said, take whatever you want and come play for my team because uh, I'll always I'll always believe that offense wins championships in this league. So we're at the point now on February 7th, one week before free agency officially opens, the Bombers have 10 pending free agents. Keon Adams, Rashid Bailey, Jesse Briggs, Michael Couture, Greg Ellingson, Les Maruo, Mercy Maston, Dakota Prukop, Casey Sales, Nick Taylor. Of those 10, we just addressed two of them. I guess the other eight. Who do you think is going to be back, and who do you have a hunch that says probably not? Uh, I, I, have, I would have a hunch that Michael Couture won't be back just with the signings they've made. They made a three-year commitment to, to Tui Ellie to bring him back. Uh, Couture made a lot of money, so I, I feel like that's probably going to be one. That we haven't heard anything on Casey Sales. Sales was not bad. I mean, he wasn't Steven Richardson, but sales wasn't bad. But are they are they planning to go with, say, Ricky Walker and then a, a rookie American to be that that three technique defensive tackle would probably be my guess. Um, who else in the list? Ellingson, probably not. Bailey Bailey deserves some money because that that dude was a monster. That he had a great season last year. I don't want to say monster. I was almost got there, but he supermaned into the end zone on that one touchdown at home, and you went, okay, this this guy's got got some juice. Um, but um, Jesse Briggs is a player that they that they they've loved for a long time, and you know had some injury problems early last season, but still a contributor on special teams, and he and Goche w- w- were in that substitute package on, on defense, right, where they'd come in and take the occasional linebacker rep. Goche more often, obviously. Uh, so that would be a tough one for them to let go, I mean, unless you're trying to get younger in that spot. But, I mean, once you sign once you sign Lawler and the deal we're, we're told is essentially done, and it's just we just have to run out the clock till the 14th and Lawler will be a bomber, there's there's I can't imagine there's a lot of room left to bring in extra bodies. Right. And so Keon Adams, who was the guy that brought in the trade deadline, a Mastin and Taylor were both hurt towards the yeah. end of the last year. And then Prukop as a as a quarter backup Ooh. quarterback. Yeah, Prukop will be interesting. Uh, Taylor's coming off the Achilles, right? Mastin, it's his third Achilles injury. I wonder what what his future is. Keon Adams was nice as a rotational defensive end, a guy who shouldn't command too much money what will they do at rotational defensive end for the coming season we'll have to see uh because cedric wilcott's who started is now in hamilton adams maybe i i would i would like to see i'd like to see prukov because they were really able to get some value a lot of teams don't get value from their second quarterback but the bombers really did with prukov and the run game and I was talking to one guy today who said i think prukov's the best sneaker in the nfl the best in, or in cfl the best in short yardage well, that, that's some value. That's that's something off of off of Zach's plate. They can just, yeah. I 
everything, everything. We're just we're hypothesizing, and this is where we need cap friendly for the NFL <laughs> for the CFL because we're hypothesizing. Right. Ooh, could you give Dakota one twenty? Does that fit in there? Or do we you don't need know. A, do you need a seventy thousand uh, dollar quarterback to be third string to Drew Brown, and Brown will handle the short yarded stuff? But it, it would be a loss because Prukop really did bring some value to the Bombers last season. So quickly, uh, before I let you go around the league, then we've seen reports that Trevor Harris is likely going to go to Regina. Jake Wenicky as well. Uh, Steven Dunmar today we saw go, uh, looks like the same, same deal, agreed in terms, in principle with the Elks. Nothing can be made official until next Tuesday. From what you've seen so far, what remains the biggest chip fall in free agency in this negotiation window? Well, Gino Lewis, I think the receiver for Montreal would be the he was the fourth guy in my list of guys I would just back up the money truck for. That guy is a big catch monster and he was he was all of Montreal's attack this season. We I haven't seen anything any rumors of him. What about going to Sask with Trevor Harris because he would go right into that spot that Shaq Evans has occupied for the last few seasons. That would be that would be a big domino. And I mean, if Geno Lewis moves from the East Division to the West Division, it's I mean it's going to absolutely decimate the East Division. Montreal is going to be a just an absolute bottom feeder team if they can't hold on to anybody. So I, I think Gino was the one to fall. And then I'm always always watching for the Elks because they threw apparently a ton of money at Stephen Dunbar, 200 plus at Stephen Dunbar, which which really caught my eye. But uh, w- what do they have next? Because they've taken some money off their books with Lawler. So where will they go and what kind of moves will they be making? Because Chris Jones does like to be, they do like to make a splash, let's say. Well, and... Where do Evans and Fajardo end up? Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not a Dane Evans guy. I've never. You and I have probably talked about this. Yes, we I'm have. just not. A, yeah, I'm just not a Dane Evans guy. So for me, it's kind of a non-factor where he ends up. Fajardo. I mean, Montreal. I've never been a Fajardo guy. <laughs> yeah, and and I and I, I think Fajardo really has some value, and he certainly would have some value. How about back? How about in Winnipeg as the backup to Zach Kalaros oh, and handling the short yardage stuff? Because that's Fajardo, where he was in Toronto before he got the shot with the Saskatchewan. Yeah, and in 2019, he had eight touchdowns on designed runs. Did Cody Fajardo? That guy's a that guy's a runner of the football, and I think he can throw. I don't think the league necessarily thinks that right now, but he would be. I, I, he's a borderline start. If Dane Evans can start in the CFL, Cody Fajardo can start in the CFL in my mind. All right. Well, lots to keep track of. Free agency opens a week from tonight. Derek, appreciate your time. I'm sure you'll be on the station quite a bit between now and then. Sounds good. Last night, we aired Nolan Baumgartner's emotional and heartfelt acceptance speech during his induction into the AHL Hall of Fame yesterday in Laval, Quebec. Our Kelly Moore caught up with the Moose assistant coach today and former captain of the team to find out what brought forth that emotion? I'm a little biased uh, because of uh, all the years that we go back, but uh, for my money, uh, that still rates as one of the best acceptance speeches that I have ever heard. Uh, and, and I say that because of how authentic and, and how real you were. I don't know if you had it scripted, but, man, you sure pulled it off yesterday in Lavelle. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it just... Uh... You know, leading up, leading up to the to the speech, I mean, there's a lot of reflecting uh, going on. I mean, I knew I was going in over a year and a half ago uh, now, so 
Um, you know, you didn't really think about it over that whole year uh, until a little bit of a while ago. I mean, you just always, you always look back a little bit, but I think when it started coming down to it, you really started looking back on, uh, all the people, uh, you know, the coaches, the teammates, everybody. I mean, I mentioned them in my speech, like staff members of teams, um, that, that I played for. It's just that, uh, you know, you, you look back and all those people had, some type of effect on the on my career and um you know once I was sitting there and uh, I thought it was going to be fine I mean I had written the speech and just uh, read it a couple times and I could feel you know I felt emotional about it and uh but sitting there in the morning I was like oh this is fine I'm, I think I'll be I'll be good I can make it through this and as soon as Keith Coyne they started playing the video for him and just seeing the highlights of him playing, uh, you know, what a great player. And just, uh, you know, no, I was thinking about him, what he was thinking when he was watching it. And then a couple of the teammates popped up and how they talked about him. And I started getting emotional just even listening to that. And then uh, I just was like, man, I don't even, I uh, <laughs> I said, I was just to myself, I think, I hope I can just make it for, through the first couple, couple lines. And, uh, you know, I just think it's, uh, I mean, really thinking about it, I was an emotional player when I played out on the ice. And sometimes, you know, emotion comes out in different ways. And on the ice, it doesn't come out like that. But sometimes when you think about all the people that uh, were with you along the way, along your path in your career, especially with, you know, just thinking back with my parents and obviously some coaches that I had and, and my family now, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, they're there with you the whole for the whole ride and along with you the whole time. And it's just, it was just got emotional and thinking about all that. Yeah. And it's not very many players, Nolan, who will persevere like you did over the course of a 16 or 17 year career to play in seven different organizations with seven different teams. But I think the thing that really stands out was the amount of time that you spent here in Winnipeg with the Manitoba Moose and also, and, and I think I have this right, four separate stints with the Vancouver Canucks at that time, the parent team? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it is that. It was a cup. I mean, I can remember back when I first started with the organization and with Vancouver, and then uh, I remember getting picked up in a waiver draft. I went to Pittsburgh. I was there for, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks, <laughs> a month. Uh, I got picked back up by Vancouver on the, on the waivers. I uh, came back to the organization, left for Philly, uh, went to Dallas, got picked up on waivers again, or came back, actually came back that year, got loaned here. I was in Iowa, got loaned to Manitoba, you know, so it's just a place that, you know, we, we feel that is home for us. Uh, our family does and really, really enjoyed uh, every moment that I got to play here in the city. And uh, when this opportunity came back, came up to coach back here, it was uh, really for us, it was a no-brainer. I mean, we just, we really enjoy it here. We we enjoy the people here. Uh, and I mean, that's a big factor on why we, we wanted to come back. Obviously the organization, I mean, we were treated so well uh, um, here by uh, the Manitoba Moose. Uh, you know, from before, just being a part of all that, just uh, yeah, it was kind of just like, man, we're going, we're, we're in, we're, we'll go there for sure. 
Now, the natural inclination, we're speaking with Nolan Baumgartner, inducted into the AHL Hall of Fame officially yesterday. And uh, we played the speech uh, last night. If you didn't catch it, you can go on to our webpage. Uh, it's on there as well. It's, it is fantastic. And uh, where you really got emotional, as many, many of us do, Nolan, uh, when we're talking about our, our better halves, because uh, they're the ones who are the real heroes. And so when you say you've kind of bunkered down in Winnipeg, I think the, inc- uh, the natural inclination would be for people to say, Oh, well, you met a Winnipeg girl and fell in love, but your wife, Elizabeth, is not from Winnipeg, is she? She is not. Uh, she's from sunny San Diego. Uh, so that probably will blow some people's minds. And uh, I know even when we tell, uh, you know, friends of ours that we're going back to Winnipeg, they, they sometimes can't believe that. But uh, when they hear me talk about it, then they, they know why. And, uh my wife loves it here, and so do I. And, and uh, yeah, like just like I said, we we really feel that this is this is home for us. And uh, you know, in the crazy hockey world, it sometimes doesn't last uh, forever. Um, but we're happy that we could come back and, and be here for another another opportunity with the organization. Well, you certainly had lots of coaching experience before you came back here, Nolan, working with Travis Green right up until uh, a year ago, just before Christmas, uh, uh, when there was a change in Vancouver and before that. And I know Scott O'Neill was one of the people that that you thanked. Um, How much have you had to evolve as a coach uh, since retiring at the end of the 2011-12 season? So you've been at this for almost a decade. No, more than a decade now. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, it went so fast. I mean, it just feels like I was playing last year, and, and it's been, I mean, I'm going into my 11th year of coaching already. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was my first couple of years coaching. I think I wasn't, uh, you know, I got what a great opportunity, first of all, to be offered um, to coach in the American League great after you're done playing. Um, but I wasn't ready uh, really to coach. I took the opportunity, but I still wanted to play. So the first year or probably two were pretty tough because I felt that I could still play. And, and uh, you know, I, I just, I wouldn't say they were wasted years, but they were definitely learning experiences for me. And then, uh, you know, after the year two, it was just, okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready to dig into this, like full on be a coach. And, uh, yeah, from there, you know, getting into the NHL and being there. And then now coming back to the American League is definitely an evolution. Uh, really had to, you know, you grew up quick in the coaching world and then you got some great opportunities to work with some great people, learned a lot along the way. And, uh, yeah, I just feel, you know, coming back into the league, if I feel like I uh, should come back and, and uh, come in here and, Give it another crack. It really feels, I feel like when you come to this league, you can really make a difference with some guys. Uh, you know, I love working with all those guys. They're driving to get to a spot that, you know, I always wanted to be, and that's be in the NHL. And uh, hopefully I can pass on, like I said in my speech, the lessons, uh, you know, the life the life things that I learned along the way from different coaches and players and captains and leaders. And hopefully I can help some of these guys. Uh, I went through a lot, uh, during my career. Uh, I saw all types of scenarios, which was a first round draft pick and not making it right away. And, 
um, you know, every year there's going to be some of those guys and then there's going to be some guys that, you know, play five, six, seven years. They're playing in the American League and, hey, you just got to keep persevering and fight and you'll get there. I mean, I played my first full pro season when I uh, in my 10th year uh, when I was pro. So <laughs> it's uh, it's never out of reach. Uh, and that's some, some, some of the lessons I just want to, pass on to some of these guys and really enjoying it being back in in the league and and, uh, and coaching these guys well i'll tell you if you can teach them to be the human being you are mr Baumgartner, uh you will have done some great work just, just before we let you go and i really appreciate this i know it's been a bit of a whirlwind and you're going to get right back at it here uh, with the all-star break ending in the american hockey league as well but this year, and I don't know if it was the, this case earlier on in your coaching career, how do you like working with the forwards as opposed to the defense? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's, uh, you know, you have to think in a different way, uh, working with the forwards and uh, back doing the power play. I actually did the power play when I first uh, started in the American League uh, back with Travis and Utica for a couple of years. And then did the penalty kill. I actually forgot about that. I did it for a couple of years. <laughs> I remember doing it for a while. And then I looked back and I was like, man, I did that for a few years. Um, so it really helps. Uh, it turns your brain on as a coach. You got to think in different ways. Um, I love it working with the forwards too. It's, uh, you know, I don't know everything about hockey. And I think the, the players on our team, you know, I, I stress that to them too. If they have some ideas, I always ask them, you know, what do you see here? What do you see there? And, and, uh, I'm still learning. You learn every day as a coach and I'm still, I'm still learning that too. So, uh, and you know what, it's something when you want to be a head coach, it's, uh, you've got to learn both sides of it. Uh, you know, but hockey's hockey, you're playing in a system. This is the way you got to play. This is how you, you know, if you want to get to the big club, you got to play in those systems and you got to do it right. And you got to do it consistently. And really that's all the message. I mean, I'm not a, you know, when I play, it's just like, I'm not this high skill guy that can toe drag guys. And I, that's something that I can't teach. And I, and I don't, I just teach them, Hey, this is how you got to play. You got to play the right way. Uh, you approach the game like that every night you come to play and, and, uh, you know, things will work out in the end. If you just do the right things, uh, you know, on, but not only on the ice, but off the ice to be a real good pro, uh, you know, it'll just, it just eventually works out in the end for you. That is Nolan Baumgartner, who was recently inducted into the American Hockey League Hall of Fame. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your disrespect.